Hi, everybody. I'm Mark Middleton, and you see that guy over there? Hello. That is Bill Schaefer. Welcome back to Growing Boulder, the show that proves every week it's never too late to create the life that you want. Oh, and this is going to be a great week, Mark, because on today's show, the master motivator, an 80-year-old four-time Olympic coach who is still attracting the top athletes in the world, and a former supermodel turned actress, author, and TV host. Plus, a lesson on the power of persistence, what one of the world's greatest track and field stars did when her hip gave out. All of that and more today on Growing Boulder. Something girly, an apple or a blush, got a French twist. Pick out a style that will give you a lift. Spike, ducktail, or a bubble. Choose a dude that will get you in trouble. Oh, that is incredible, Mark. Is that, is that Kanye? Is it? I think it, it's, it's Tupac or Jay Z. It's got to be. That's like this is a guy that's got some chops. Uh, in fact, folks, if you don't know whose voice that is, he's a household name. One of America's most beloved fitness experts, a guy who's been helping others lose weight. For more than 35 years, he's helped men and women lose an estimated, are you ready for this, 12 million pounds in that time. Man, he was the guy, when you think about it, who really began working with the morbidly obese, giving them hope. And you could make the point, Bill, and I think few would argue, that he laid the foundation for The Biggest Loser, Extreme Weight Loss, all of the other popular TV shows, and even his sweat into the oldies was the beginning of dance aerobics. Let's welcome the icon, the legendary, the one and only Richard Simmons. Hey, Richard, how are you? Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Come on, baby, dance with Mark and Bill and me. Come on, baby, dance with Mark and Bill and me. Oh, my gosh. You know, Richard, I'm going to say it right here on the air. Uh, When we're done with the interview, hang on, because we need you to do a little promo for us, okay? (laughs) What? Uh, amazing. I haven't even done the interview, and yeah. that the RU one is another thing. You've passed the audition. You're no, in. I mean, I didn't get a T-shirt. I didn't get socks or a hat. It's all... know, usually when I do, a, you know, a radio <laughs> show. You know, they'll say, "What? Well, you know, before you go on, let's send you a hat or oh, a T-shirt let's or, do that. or maybe a pencil with our name." And you know what? You I got nothing. You didn't get it yet. Check your mail today. I got nothing. <laughs> I got nothing. All right. First of all. Congratulations. Thank you for doing what you do. While other media personalities have come and gone, man, you are still right there. You continue well, you to you know f- why? why? I think it's because I never lied to anybody. You know, over the years, there's people saying it's easy, it's quick, you know, drink this, do this. And I've never lied to people. I began my life as an overweight child in New Orleans and an obese teenager. And at 268 pounds, I tried many ways to lose weight because I thought that people would like me better if I was thinner. And I took laxatives and threw up and starved and almost lost my health. And so, you know, you have to get to the point of, do I want to live or do I want to die? I mean, it, it's, it's like that serious. And every day I call people who were overweight and obese and... Uh, a lot of people are having struggles, you know, they were abused as kids or they went to an orphanage or they felt unloved or they had trauma. And let's face it, food is just so healing. Richard, when we listen to you, you went from laughing and then in tears. You wear your, your well, emotions. It's very, you know, even though I am a clown and I certainly admit that, you know, my work is very serious. Um, you know, I call people, I still have my exercise studio called Slimmons and I travel around the world. I just came back from Brazil, uh, in a little town called Capinas and they had a, um, an orphanage and they had contaminated water and, uh, you know, I built them a well Mm. and, uh, I, try to do things for orphans and for seniors and for teenagers because we're living in a world that uh that's very unhappy with people who have very low self-worth and that's why god made me so that i could uh 
you know, I could make people laugh, but yet I can make them think, and, you know, that's really important to me. You know, Richard, one of the reasons we wanted you on this program, other than the fact that you are genuine, you don't lie, and that you are one really cool dude, is that we like to say here at Growing Boulder uh, that we have three products, hope, inspiration, and possibility. And you're... You know, I have an infomercial called Project Hope, and so one of my sayings is, with hope, you can cope. And a lot of people, you know, don't like going and going to work in the morning or going home or looking in the mirror. And, I, you know, I, I think it has to get to the part where you look in the mirror and you just thank God you're alive and that God gave you another day. And then you have to make a list of the people that love you. And then each day you have to give yourself compliments in the mirror. I mean, this is all the process of, you know, finding self-worth. Well, thank you for mentioning Project Hope, because that's actually where I was going w- with that. The hope, Project Hope, hope in, in your instance, is an acronym for health, optimism, passion, and energy. Tell us why and how this program works. Well, because it's, it's you know, I created something called deal meal and then that progressed into the food mover, and now my food mover is electronic. And um, then I created a 90-day program of cardio toning and challenges. You know, a lot of people, as they get older, they don't balance well. Uh, they lose their balance and they break, a, you know, a hip. So uh, what I do is I try and I, you know, this is now I have 70 DVDs and, um, and videos exercise. And, uh, you know, I, I just try to do it safe. And my success stories keep their weight off, which is, you know, really very important. You set the world on fire, Richard, in your 20s and 30s, and, and here we are, still going strong. You've got the same energy you always had, and we spent a lot of time on our program. That's because I do bun squeezes in Whoa, the morning. Hey, TMI, Richard. <laughs> TMI. Listen, we, we talk all the time about it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor no, or well, heavy I'm 60, or thin. I'm 65 years old, and... You know, I start my day with a little saying that goes, thank you, God, for this beautiful day, and I'll take care of me and others in a special way. And, you know, that, that's what we have to do. We have to face traffic. We have to go and maybe not really adore the people that we work with or not get respect there or not enough money. But, you know, you just have to embrace the day, you know, and you have to be loyal, loyal to yourself, because when you're loyal, you feel like a royal. Hmm. All right. We've mentioned, we've listened to your, your music video. We, we've talked about Project Hope. I mean, you are a guy of not only many talents, but, but many, many interests. Uh, case in point, you've been designing custom jewelry for years. You now sell your own line called Sparkle. What's the collection all about? Well, I designed, you know, when I was a kid, I would save up my allowance and I would design pieces of jewelry for my mother and then for my mother's friends, and then for, you know, just people that mean the world to me. And so I took these designs, and I went to JTV, Jewelry Television, and I did them in stainless steel and bronze with gold overlays so that everyone could afford it, you know. So, you know, that's what I do. Another one of the cool things you did, Richard, I think aside from helping people lose weight, you're the first person I can remember who made it okay to see people who are overweight going to a gym or working out. Because, you know, it used to be, oh, those are the people that you would snicker at if you saw them out jogging or running. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You know, when I came to L.A., I had, uh, it was 1973, uh, I, I went to other, I went to, I had never exercised before. I just simply had dieted. And so I, you know, decided to go to some studios. And everybody was thin, and it was a lot of fun. So I got a job as a waiter. Uh, and people like Sidney Partier, Henry Mancini, uh, Johnny Carson, all of these really fabulous people gave me tip money and said, we don't exactly know what you're going to do. But here's some money, and you decide what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, 39 years ago, I opened my exercise studio where I will teach tonight. 
and it will be filled with people from 16 to, I have a lady next to me named Jerry Sinclair, and Jerry is 91 years old and has been coming for 35 years. Mm. So, you know, you have to forgive yourself for gaining weight, you have to forgive yourself, and you have to move on, and you have to just try to be the best person that you can be. Richard, if I may, uh, and I'm, I'm asking you to work a little bit here. Uh, we've got you on. We've got all these listeners. I mean, you are the great Richard Simmons. Give us a pep talk, will you? you know, well, here's what I want people to know. Forgiveness is difficult, and you have been hurt, maybe by people that you really thought loved you. But we have to m- move that away. And we have to know our self-worth and know how loved we are and know that we're good people. And you need to do charity work, whether it is uh, going to a senior home or, you know, it's like right now everyone's making me little things so I could send to the orphanage. Uh, so there's a store there, and so we sell that stuff in the store. You have to know when you look in the mirror that you're worth it, that you're here. And, you know, whoever you believe in, whatever creator you believe in, that that creator loves you. And you can't waste a day, a minute, a moment. You have to live your life and be the very best that you can be. How cool to have a public figure out there, Mark, where his only goal is to make people feel better about themselves. It doesn't get any better than that. And whether Richard Simmons is your cup of tea or not, thank goodness he's out there paving the way for other people. Folks, if you want to know more about all of these projects he's talked about, and there are many of them, check them out at richardsimmons.com. Truly is one of the most innovative people of our time. Coming up, Olympic hopefuls from around the world beat a path to his practice. Why an 80-year-old coach is still the hottest ticket around. This is Growing Bolton. Support for Growing Boulder provided by... Advent Health, introducing the Feel Whole Challenge, a 21-day program offering big improvements through small steps. Taking a walk, making a smoothie, changes that encourage whole person health. More information at feelwholechallenge.com. And by... The Legacy Life Project from Macbeth Studio, preserving family history, stories, and memories for generations to come by creating personal video biographies of your loved ones. Everyone has a story worth preserving. LegacyLifeProject.com. Bill Schaefer and Mark Middleton here with more of Growing Boulder. You know, recently Mark had the privilege of interviewing this awesome guy. He's an Olympic track and field coach, Brooks Johnson, probably the biggest in the world. He was on the Growing Boulder TV show. Now, Johnson has not only been one of the biggest names worldwide, he still is in what is very much a young man's game. Our in-studio guest today is an icon, folks, a Hall of Fame track and field coach. In fact, one of the greatest coaches of all time. You'll meet him in just a second. Runners and hurdlers from all over the world come to train with Brooks Johnson, who will be 80 years old next year. Johnson is a master motivator who has not only coached four U.S. Olympic teams, he has coached an athlete in every Olympic since 1968. He is, as they say, the man and his biggest name athlete these days is david oliver who recently won the world championship in moscow in the 110 meter high hurdles oliver third from the right in the red was a bronze medalist in beijing but failed to make the 2012 games in london because of injuries many thought he was done but not oliver and certainly not brooks johnson who led him all the way back beating what may be the greatest hurdle field in history to win the world championship and joining us now is the great brooks johnson and brooks congratulations thank you just thank phenomenal you uh you know what did you have to do to get him back and, and i know you've told us before that you're the guy who knows how to push the go button what go button did you push on on david but well, david's a very proud guy and despite the fact 
that even in his off years he was never ranked lower than three. Uh, he'd gotten used to being number one, and he wanted it. And that pride and uh, drive and discipline allowed him to get it. Uh, it's such a technical race, and if you, you have said in the past, uh, David is not the greatest athlete in the field. He's got to be a perfect technician, and he certainly seemed to put it all together. Well, that's right. Uh, it, the hurdles, yeah. the 110 hurdles or the 100 hurdles for the women, is the most technical event in track and field because you've got 11 opportunities to mess it up, one at the start and 10 hurdles after yeah. that. So you have to be not only technically good, you have to be technically consistent. All right, enough about David Oliver. Let's yeah. talk about Brooks Johnson. We love you because literally athletes beat, uh, beat a path to come train with you from all over the world, and that is almost unheard of. Shouldn't be, but it is. You know, a guy gets to be near 80, and kids are always looking for the new coach, the next thing. They have one bad race, and they want to run for somebody else. What is it about you, Brooks, that has enabled you to remain not only relevant, but at the top of your game at your age? I've always been blessed with uh, being able to coach at very uh, attractive places, St. Albans High School in Washington, D.C., the University of Florida, uh, Stanford University, and now at uh, Disney's and ESPN's Wide World of Sports. So the venues have always been outstanding. And that, coupled with talent, will produce results. And winners find a way to win, losers find a way to lose, and winners will find a place that they need to go to in order to win. Well, you're a humble man, but there's got to be more than that. Give us a takeaway for people that are out there in their 60s and 70s and think life has passed them by. What can we learn from you? I made a uh, promise to myself years, years ago that for every minute I was alive, I wanted 60 seconds worth of living. <laughs> and that's been basically the mantra ever since. Do you enjoy it as much now as you used to? Do you find life as fulfilling, challenges as intriguing? Yeah, yeah. You've, you, you enjoy it in different ways. Uh, you recognize that things that you used to take for granted now are more difficult. And overcoming them, uh, because it's a bigger challenge, gives you a greater reward. So you have to sort of readjust and be like a jazz musician. You have to improvise on the, on the fly. You know what the chord pattern is. You know what the melody is, but you have to continue to improvise. You, you just keep doing it. You know, Brooks, I don't know anymore what 80 looks like because we have so many cool people on this program. You certainly do not look at uh, Do you feel it? Yeah, in certain ways I do, but in certain ways I don't. It's, it's you know, uh, ache here, a pain there, but basically you just keep focused on what you're trying to do. And keep it, uh, doing it. Uh, we are big fans. We'll continue to follow you. Folks, he is the great Brooks Johnson, smashing stereotypes and helping America's greatest continue to compete on the world stage in track and field. How about that? An interview from the Growing Boulder TV show. Great job. And, Mark, what I loved about Brooks Johnson the most, what a great example he is of Growing Boulder. You know, he's one of those guys, if you bump into him on the street, you might think, okay, maybe 60, 65 tops, but never 80. Yeah, yeah, and that's because he, for the most part, Bill, lives in a world that is not about age. He pursues his passion every day. He hangs out with younger people every day. He continues to study his trade every day. He travels. He's part of a big social network in track and field. Check, 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 and check. He embodies all of the keys to active longevity. Coming up next, the one-time supermodel who's over 50 and better than ever. This is Growing Boulder. Support for Growing Boulder provided by... The Center for Health and Well-Being, now open in Winter Park. Wholeness, fitness, and medicine together in one convenient location, offering programs and services to promote healthy living and positive aging. More at yourhealthandwellbeing.org. Sign up for the Growing Boulder Insider Newsletter, delivered to your inbox every week. Be the first to see our latest interviews, stories, and tips for making each day count. Sign up today at growingboulder.com. Bill Schaefer here with my good buddy Mark Middleton, and we're bringing you a little program we call Growing Boulder. Now, our next guest is an unbelievably energetic, warm, wonderful person, a supermodel, designer, chef, author, actress, 
and the co-host of <laughs> Home and Family, which I love on that Hallmark Channel, which is addicting. Is that all she does? You're right, exactly right, Bill. In yeah. fact, the show's been nominated for a Daytime Emmy Award for Outstanding Lifestyle Program after its first year on the air. Home and Family recently returned for an all-new second season, and let's welcome the co-host, Christina Ferrari. Hey, Christina, how are you? Hello, how are you? Um, we're, we're thrilled to be talking to you. First of all, congratulations on the show. Thank you. Thank you. It's it's uh, just been the last year and a half. I feel like I've been like all of my dreams have come true at this at this stage in my life to be able to be back working again with inc- these incredible people and my co-host Mark Steinus. I wake up in the morning happy. I'm happy all day, and I leave going home, and I'm happy. And my, when I get home, my husband's happy because I'm so happy. <laughs> you know what? You're making me happy. Just listen to oh, that. Uh, you, you mentioned Mark Steinus. He, of course, is the former E.T. anchor. He's your new co-host. Uh, sure seems like you guys really do get along. We are. You know, I'm the very first day that I met him, I thought, wow, what a really nice I call him a young man. He hates that. I said, what a really nice man he is. And over the year and a half we've been working together, our families have become extremely close. And I just adore this man. I just adore him. And uh, I love it because he has my back. And, um, you know, we're working together, and I feel the same about him. And it's just, it's, 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 this is a perfect storm. Everything came together at the right time. Woody Frazier, who did the original Home Home and Family show in the 90s, which I co-hosted back then, brought it back again last uh, last October, and I'm back on board. And everything this time around couldn't be any better. Describe the show, Christina. Pardon me? Yeah, describe the show for people who haven't seen it yet. Well, it is a lifestyle program. Universal, we come from Universal Studios uh, in Hollywood, and they they built us a real house on the set. As a matter of fact, we're right outside. If you take the, the tour, we're right outside the earthquake set. So every, like, five minutes we have an earthquake here. <laughs> so you never – I mean, being in California, you never know if it's a real thing or not. But uh, we're part of the tour. The tour goes right by our home. It's a real house. And everything that goes on in a real house goes on in our house. There's a uh, there's a garage, laundry room, family room, kitchen, which of course is the hub of our of our show. The dining room, uh, Mark's man cave, a bedroom, and and uh, a, a bathroom. Which right now we're ha- we happen to be renovating the bathroom with the Carey brothers. Uh, they were original um, uh, uh, a talent that came on on the first show, and we're re- we we are redoing the whole bathroom and our viewers get to join in too and and uh, one of the uh, lucky winner is going to win a whole bathroom makeover we we are going to send the Carey brothers to their home and you know it's 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 just you know we share we talk we cry we laugh we cook we have wonderful guests that come on we have musical guests so it's 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 like walking into a really happy place and we also have our dysfunction too because there are <laughs> some serious subjects that we we talk about and and it's just, it's about everyday life. Folks, we're yeah. talking with Christina Ferrari, who, who is a bit of a, of a media superstar and has been for decades. You've been in the biz most of your life, Christina. In fact, you were a spokesperson for Max Factor at the age of 16. And by the time you were 18, you were on the covers of Vogue and Cosmo. Did you have any idea then that you'd be still as relevant today as you are? The answer is no. I just thought, you know, after the the uh, modeling career was over with, and it was very short, you know, at 24, if you haven't made it by then and your career is really over at 24, uh, then you, you know, you have to move on to other things. And, of course, I had no idea what that would be, but it was, it's just one of those things in life. And having done it for so long, I realized that every opportunity that came my way, I just went through that door as frightened as I was at the time of, oh, my gosh, this is going to change my life or this is going to be different. And being afraid of it, which I was, I just said, you know what, this is an opportunity. I'm going to go and see what happens. And Every time I did that, wonderful, wonderful things happened and opened up in my life. And I met wonderful people. And, you know, I, I got married. I had children. I had scandal. I had everything you can imagine in your life, and uh, 
Um, no, I could not. I could not have imagined it. But I'm. I'm certainly glad that whatever fear that I faced when um, different things happened to me in my life, and I just faced it with you know the grace of God and my family. I was able to to get through it, and it's been a fantastic ride. And you're right. I have been doing this a real long time. It's been way over 40 years. So. Way over 40 years. (laughs) You you know, as a supermodel, you faced a lot of stereotypes, but probably not as bad as the ones you face when you get over the age of 50. Now, you talked about reinventing yourself, embracing change, not being afraid to take risks. What's it been like for for an ex-supermodel to fight her way through and stay relevant in the business like you have after the age of 50? It's just so fun. It's very funny you should say that because I just shot a cover with Mark Steinis, who is a fantastic photographer. He, we just shot a cover for a magazine called Over Fifty Magazine. <laughs> I'm thinking, wow, I used to be on the cover of Vogue and Cosmo and all those those uh, you know women's magazines. And I got to tell you, I was just as proud as to be on the Over Fifty one. Uh, but it's you know, you, you mentioned something before about embracing change, and that's what I do. You know, you have to embrace the change, and it, it's it's different. Life moves on. Um, it, it, I have to tell you, I walk into rooms with uh, my daughters, Alex and Ariana, who are 24 and 27, and nobody looks at me. Nobody sees and says, boo. You know, and it's like it's, I'm very secure within myself where, you know what, it's fine. You know, I just. I just, you know, now it's my daughter's turn and, you know, you get older and you do have to, you have to move on. But if you, if you fill your life, if you have a fulfilling, enriched life, those things don't matter. What matters is, are, are your children healthy? Is your significant other healthy? That's, that's what you end up, that's what ends up mattering in your life making a difference. You know, you mentioned your daughters. We actually had a delightful conversation with one of your daughters at a DeLorean conference uh, a, a year or so ago, which does kind of take us back to when you were 23 and you met, and you married John DeLorean, the automotive right. genius, the maverick. This is the guy, folks, who developed the Pontiac GTO. He created the DeLorean, a car by all accounts was decades uh, ahead of its time. You, of course, were right. divorced from John in 1985. Those must have been heady, strong stressful, turmoil field, but yet exciting days back then. It was. When I first married John, I was 24 years old. I was living in Detroit. I was very naive, but I was still, you know, working. I was flying back and forth to New York from Detroit all the time. I always kept myself busy. Uh, John was a bigger-than-life, just exciting, charismatic, wonderful man, and we had two beautiful children together. We were married for 11 years. And somewhere, you know, in, in our, you know, eighth year together, he made a very sharp left turn and our whole life just crumbled around us. And it was it, it as as wonderful as our time was together when we were in New York with the kids, when when this scandal hit us and it was, you know, it wasn't it was significant and it was worldwide. It was um, it was. A very trying time, especially you know when you have two children and you are in the eye of the storm with all of these you know the the press and the paparazzi and the news media around you and it was it was horrible it was a horrible, horrible time, but again, I had my family to fall back on, and we were able to get through it. Unfortunately, our relationship didn't survive that. and uh, after almost twelve years of marriage we we divorced, and I took my kids and came back here to live in Los Angeles, and that's where I met my husband of 30 years, Tony Thomopoulos, and we have a a family, a blended family of seven children and four grandkids. Well, Christine, we're going to have to leave it there now. What a great story you have, and what a great person you are. Check out the Home and Family Show. It airs daily, Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. to noon on the Hallmark Channel. She is inspiring, amazing, and uplifting the great Christina Ferrari. Thanks so much for your time. Coming up next, finding real meaning in daily life after retirement. Our next guest took a big risk at 68, and at 71, she says her life is bigger and better than ever. This is Growing Bold. Support for Growing Bolder provided by... 
Winter Park's new Crosby Wellness Center at the Center for Health and Well-Being. More than just a gym, it features unique medically integrated programs, activities for all ages and skill levels, and free group exercise classes with memberships. More at CrosbyWellnessCenter.org. Stay connected to Growing Boulder for daily doses of hope, inspiration, and possibility. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for our latest stories and motivational pictures. My guard stood hard when abstract threats to noble, to neglect. Hey everyone, I'm Bill Schaefer along with Mark Middleton and this is Growing Boulder. Got a question for you now. Do you know what you are going to do after you retire? One of the best ways to move forward we have found is by giving back and that's exactly what our next guest has done. Good point, Bill. She signed up as a volunteer for Habitat for Humanity at the age of 68 doing many things she had never done before her entire life and now at 71 she's a crew leader and an inspirational role model and having the time of her life helping the less fortunate. Let's find out more as we welcome Beryl Wiltshire. Hey, Beryl, how are you? Hey there. I'm fine. Thank you. Good to hear from you. Man, you are better than fine. We can tell from someone's voice right away if they're going to be a you good know, and interview. How many times has this happened, Mark? We'll have somebody on the program. It's radio, right? You right. can't see their... How old does she sound to she you? She sounds like she's 44. Yeah, maybe, maybe <laughs> 39-ish. It's just... Hey, that sounds good to me. Keep going, guys. Uh, you know, let's talk about this. Because of the many things to do in retirement, what led you to volunteering in general, and specifically, how did you become involved in Habitat? Well, volunteering in general is something I've wanted to do for a long time. Uh, came over to, from England to, um, to Orlando, loved it here. But as everyone else has found out, we get loads and loads of visitors, or did the first few years. So I put off volunteering. And then when I really got down to it, I decided I wanted to do something. It was totally different. Uh, I've been in an office job most of my life, uh, worked in London, uh, worked all around. And this struck me as something that was so completely different outside in the gorgeous weather that you have here. And I gave it a try. And I was hooked very, very quickly. Now, let me get this straight, though. You had an office job most of your life. and then it's I did. So then you start, you know, you, out of all the places, you pick Habitat for Humanity. And, and what did you do? Did you, like, paint walls and pull weeds and all that safe uh, little stuff? <laughs> oh, no. Uh, well, I thought that was all I'd be doing. But um, I go up on the roofs. I tear shingles off. Mm-hmm. Uh, not just me. Obviously, a whole group of people. I'm part of a, a, a gorgeous group of people. Um, I help put drywall up. I uh, help putting shing- um, sidings up. Um, just, uh, and they teach you everything very, very gently, step by step. There's always someone to ask if you have any sort of problem, which I constantly do. But uh, they just, they're just a great bunch of people. And, and I, I go out as many Saturdays as I can. In fact, I feel quite guilty when I don't go now on a Saturday. If there's something really important, I can't make it. It's... Um, I feel uncomfortable because I enjoy it so much. I really love it. Do you have a favorite job, uh, Burl, or is there something you like to do more than anything else? I do. I love to get up on the roof. Um, <laughs> it's, <laughs> I know a lot of people laugh at me and look like, what? But it's just uh, empowering when you're up there. You just feel free. Um, and, and safety is very, mu- is very much an issue, so there's no real problem with that. Um, and I just love it, whether it's tearing them off, laying the paper, uh, the tarry paper stuff. See, I don't know the real names. Uh, or putting new shingles down. I just love it up there. You, you love it up on, on the roof. But tell us now about the feeling that you get working on a home in general and helping other people. How does that enrich your life? It, it just makes me feel that I'm part of life still because you can get sort of in the sidetrack when you've retired, but I just feel I'm, I'm, I'm in there still. I'm, I'm giving something to, I'm helping people. I'm, and it just, I drive back home from there and I just feel really good about myself. And, um, and everybody else that I work with feels the same. We're all there, whether it's the crew leaders, the people that actually work for Habitat, or the different volunteers that come out every Saturday. We're all there for the same reason, that's to make this house a home, and I just, I can't explain it any more than that, but it's something incredibly worthwhile, and I would just encourage anyone else to give it a try. 
you know, getting to know you here in, in just three minutes or so, it's it's easy to understand that you have become a crew leader. But 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 how does an older woman with no construction experience <laughs> become a supervisor in just a matter of a couple of years? <laughs> I know it sounds quite funny, really. Um, well, you just turn up every Saturday. You start. You learn where the tools are kept. Uh, you know all the routine about the safety aspects. Um, it isn't necessarily about what the actual technique of the job, um, the skills of the job. I mean, that all counts, and you do absorb more than you realize. But it's just making sure people wear their hard hats if necessary, making sure they have safety glasses, uh, knowing where to direct them to get things for them. It's, it's, it's a whole... Um, like an organizing thing. And I was a legal secretary most of my life, which was a lot of organizing. So I think it comes natural to me in that way. Um, and I've, as always, somebody to ask, if there's any question of, I'm not sure if you do this or that, there's always somebody else there to, to help you. So, and I guess enthusiasm, something you like, um, and and I love it. So I, I think that comes through when I'm there. So, Beryl, in, in your 70s now and volunteering like you do, working with Habitat, what's the takeaway? What can you share with others that you've learned about life? Just that the more you do for other people, the better you feel about yourself. It's it's not really giving to them. It's what they give to you, what you get back. Um, I think that's more important than anything else. Um, by by just reaching out of yourself, just a fraction, just a little bit to start with, it, it seems to give you so much more than you give. That, that's really all I can say, and it, it just makes me happy to do it. Um, I, I was very, very nervous when I started. At my age, I thought, Who, am I going to be able to do this? But um, I watched uh, Rosalind Carter, that's uh, President Carter's wife. She's uh, I think she's 14 years older than I am, and she was on uh, on a TV program, and she was banging nails in, making all sorts of things. And I could see that she could do it and enjoyed it, and that gave me, she inspired me to go and give Habitat a try. So that's really what I'd love to do to other people. Um, don't think, oh, I couldn't do that, because honestly, if I can do it, anyone can do it. And that's absolutely the truth, because I had no experience at all. Well, let's leave it there, because you have become not only a great community resource, but a tremendous role model for the rest of us. Beryl Wiltshire, thanks so much for all you do for the community, and keep on keeping on, girl. Coming up next, Masters track and field superstar, acrobat, gymnast, dance queen, and more. In fact, she may be the world's greatest female athlete over the age of 60. This is Growing Boulder. Support for Growing Boulder provided by... Advent Health, introducing the Feel Whole Challenge, a 21-day program offering big improvements through small steps, like a daily walk, making smoothies, changes that encourage whole person health. More information at feelwholechallenge.com. Subscribe to Growing Boulder Magazine, now with more information, articles, and photos than ever before. This quarterly publication is unlike any other, filled with the kind of inspiration you need to live your life to the fullest. More information at growingbolder.com slash subscribe. This is Growing Boulder. I'm Bill Schaefer with Mark Middleton, and our next guest is one of the world's top Masters track and field athletes now 60. She's the age group world record holder in the women's 55 to 59 year old pole vault. She's also a world class high jumper, hurdler, thrower, and sprinter. And you know what, Bill? That's not even what she does best. There's more. She is also a world class gymnast, acrobat, and dancer. So, so imagine this: how she felt when a hip problem got so bad the doctor said she needed a total hip replacement, and that would likely mean the end of the lifestyle that she lived for. Let's find out what happened as we welcome Kay Glenn. Hey, Kay, how are you? 
Good morning. I'm fine. How are you guys? Uh, well, we're doing great. And let's pick this story up with, with, with your hip problem because doctors diagnosed you with something called hip dysplasia, which ultimately led to arthritis, bone-on-bone contact. You suffered pain. You had a loss in a range of motion. You had to be seeing your career, your lifestyle flashing before your eyes. Well, that was quite a shock. It took me a few months to get the diagnosis, and I'd been to eventually... I think seven doctors had seen my x-rays before I finally had the surgery. But, yeah, when I went to the Mayo Clinic and uh, was hoping to have a little arthroscopic surgery done or there was a tear in there that had to be fixed, just something fixable on a kind of an easy easy out. But, um, yeah, when I got there, they said, you need a total hip replacement, and it was just a shock. I I was just stunned. I, I said, can I have a cortisone shot for now and think about it and they did that, and I went home, and I did a lot of thinking and a lot of research. <laughs> okay, some of the stuff that Mark was talking about you doing, I mean, a couple generations ago, nobody 60 years old were, 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 is in getting involved in all these track and field things. Do you think that contributed to your hip? And if so, is it worth it? Um, my doctor that did my hip resurfacing said that um, the cause of arthritis is really kind of unknown, that it didn't make any difference what I had done. He said that he didn't even really think I had enough dysplasia in my hip to even call it that, and he just said that really wasn't an issue. I just I just had arthritis, and you see heavy people sitting in chairs all their life that get arthritis, so it's not necessarily due to any wear and tear that I've done. It's just something that happens and something you need to deal with. But I, as far as doing it at 60, it's not like I just, really picked it up. I had been active since I was four years old, and I did all the the dancing and acrobatics. So I don't think about it as being old doing this stuff. It's just something that I've always done and part of who I am. So... um, so, so you, yeah, mentioned, you mentioned your hip resurfacing, Kay, because that's the next part of this story. As you mentioned early on, you had six doctors who told you you needed a total hip replacement, which you know would have worked for walking, but certainly wouldn't have worked for pole vaulting and high jumping. Um, it's really kind of a story about being your own best advocate because you continue to do research until you found someone that convinced you that there was a procedure that would allow you to return to the level of activity that you enjoyed. When did you have the hip resurfacing? How is it going? And do you still think you can get back to to a world-class level of competition? Uh, I had uh, two people that I met through track and field that had actually been to this particular doctor. And they said, before you have anything done, just talk to him. You don't have, and I said, but this is not something they usually do with women, and they don't usually do it with older women, so I can see why it worked for you, but it probably won't for me. And they said, just talk to him. It won't hurt to talk. So that's what I did and did, did more of the research. But um, I had that done in September, or no, August 21st, so it's been eight weeks now. And I'm I'm doing well. I'm I'm right on my schedule. I'm trying to listen to my doctor, and I don't have any pain, so it's until six months I don't get to do any jogging or any dancing, but I won't have pain during that time, so it's really a discipline thing. <laughs> you just can't do it because it's going to take that long for tissues and growth to uh, you know, grow into the implant. So it's um, it's just something to look forward to, but that, my doctor said, when I'm done, the difference between this operation and a total hip is that I won't have the limitations that you do for the rest of your life with a total hip. There are just certain movements that you can't make. And my doctor says when I'm completely healed, which is probably going to be a year from the surgery, um, I can do anything that I ever did, that I ever wanted to do. It's just like it never happened. So I'm going with that. <laughs> <laughs> now, Kay, when most when doctors say to most people you can do what you did before, they usually mean like walking around the mall. They don't necessarily mean setting world records. Are you still hopeful that you can return to things like pole vaulting and high jumping? Will we see you breaking world records in the 60 to 64-year-old age group? Well, you'll definitely see me trying anyway. I don't know whether I can do it or not, but I never did know whether I could do it. All you can do is try, but yeah, I... Like I say, I can do my go back to running and doing what they say normal people can do in six months. There's no limitations. But me as a unique 
60-year-old, um, I was told that I will have to wait for a year before I do the jumps, which is fine with me. Um, but, yeah, I'll, I'll uh, slowly but surely, I'll be back there. <laughs> and, you know, Kay, that is really what is so great about you because it's men and women like you who are doing things in their 60s that, that – people didn't used to do a decade ago that are pushing, you know, the, the, the whole orthopedic profession, pushing the doctors to develop the kinds of things that, that will allow us to not only continue doing what we used to do, but but to come back and do it again, to, to have this extreme recovery. So, you know, thank you for pushing the envelope. And, and, and folks, you should know that Kay Glenn lives on a farm in Iowa. Uh, and until recently, there were high school records in Iowa that she set back in high school that, that stood up for 40 or 50 years. I mean, well, the most recent one was just broken up not long ago, wasn't it, Kay? A uh, long jump record was broken by maybe a fourth of an inch. <laughs> How long ago? Um, I don't know, maybe five years ago, I, something like that. Yeah, it's just amazing. And uh, you have a pole vaulting pit out in a cornfield in your backyard where you practice outside? Right, I do. I have a high jump pit on one side of the house and a pole vault pit on the other side of the house. And I have some rings in the front yard and the trees and a bar in the backyard and some other trees. <laughs> so it's kind of like my playground. And for people who haven't seen you, too, you look like you're 39. I mean, you've got this dazzling blonde hair and it's great figure and and you're still all about it. I think a lot of... Uh, my good fortune has really come from being active all my life, and I've just I've loved doing it. And I, I said, really, the first thing that I'll be able to do when I turn 61 in February and I'm released from my doctor will be to do tap dancing. Mm. That'll be the first uh, activity I plan to go back to. Um, I already have some music picked out for an acrobatic song I want to do. The doctor was uh, very definite about, I said, when can I do a cartwheel. He said, six months. When can I jog? Six months. You know, there was no discussion. There was no uh, compromise. Uh, he was just quick and definite in telling me when I could do those things. So that's what I put on my calendar. But I've seen, you know, I've learned not to feel sorry for myself. There's so many people that have such obstacles that, you know, health-wise that they're that they've had to deal with over the years, and sometimes, some days, I'll tell myself, oh, don't be such a wuss. Think of what these other people have to deal with, and they're such an inspiration to me that this seems like pretty minor compared to what a lot of people have to go through, so... I won't. They didn't give up, and I'm not going to give up either. Amen. Let's leave it there because, folks, she is arguably the greatest all-round female athlete in the world over the age of 60, and by refusing to simply stop doing what she loves, she is giving notice to the medical world, to doctors, and medical appliance manufacturers that it is never too late to return to the activity you love, no matter how extreme. Thanks, Kay. We hope you've enjoyed today's program, but more importantly, that it's inspired you to start doing what we're trying, growing bolder. As you know, Steve Jobs passed away in 2011 from pancreatic cancer, but not before revolutionizing computers, smartphones, music, movies, and more. Yeah, in fact, in 2005, Jobs gave his now famous commencement address at Stanford, telling graduates the only way to be truly satisfied is to do what you believe is great work. He went on to say, it was with all matters of the heart, you'll know it when you find it, so keep looking until you find it. Don't settle. Great point, Mark. Now, you can find us not only here on the radio, but on Growing Boulder TV, GrowingBolder.com, and Growing Boulder Magazine. And be sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and we'll keep you up to date on all things Growing Boulder. See you next time. Growing Boulder is a production of Boulder Broadcasting. All rights reserved. This program was recorded live at Growing Boulders Studios in Orlando and is available as a weekly podcast on NPR One, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and TuneIn. 
It is written and produced by Jill Middleton, Mark Middleton, and Bill Schaefer. Executive producers are Jackie Carlin, Robert Thompson, and Emily Thompson. Technical director is Jason Morrow. Production manager is Michael Nannis. Director of technology is Joshua Doolittle. Chief audio engineer is Mac Dula. And our most important team member is you. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram to keep growing bolder every day. Crimson flames tied through my ears, flowing high and mighty trap. Countless fire and flaming road, using ideas as my map. We'll meet on edges soon, said I. So much older